Blog Talk Radio. to another live broadcast of Spirituality. Today, I'm Jamie Sanders, along with my co-host, Denise Jurgen. I'm coming to you live from Unity of Pensacola in Pensacola, Florida. And Denise, of course, is coming to you from Unity of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. We're excited to do another 90-minute broadcast today. And on today's topic of discussion... The last hour of the show, we'll be joined again with our recurring guest. We had her on once before, and she was very popular. Dr. Jerry Levine will be joining us, and we're going to be talking today about energy. What is energy? What isn't energy? Do we feel it, or do we tend to just roll our eyes when people say, did you feel the energy in that space? But in the first half hour, Denise and I are going to talk a little bit about some of the things that are going on with us spiritually, and so that's always exciting to me because I get to play and engage with my friends. So welcome to another show, my buddy. My friend Denise, how are you? I am doing so well, and I was excited when I learned what we were going to be talking about today because that's a topic that has always been important to me, and so much so that I talk about it a lot here at Unity of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think the big thing that comes up for me is, and I posted it on my Facebook page a little while ago, is that. I feel like a lot of people learn to tolerate being tired and joyless. And, you know, I'm all about being happy and having a good time. And I've said many times, if I can't have fun, I'm not going to do it. But I also know that in working with a lot of congregants that I work with and in community organizations that I work with in town, inevitably I run into people who say, I'm just so tired all the time, or I just can't get happy, or I'm just really upset. And I'm like, you know, there's something not right with that. But I also believe that people get used to that feeling, and they don't know what else to do. And therefore, you know, people come into our facility a lot of times, and we're pretty outside the box. We're very jubilant. We're very joyful. And sometimes when the service is over with, I will have some people say to me, you know, you all are just too happy here. And I, <laughs> sometimes I just want to laugh, and then I think, wow, isn't that interesting that that could be someone's perception, that we're just too happy And so I had said to you, Jamie, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit before we had Jerry join us about, you know, what it means to be in that energy of happiness and love and joy and what I call living in the flow of spirit versus when I know that I'm not living in the flow of spirit and what I can do to get there because there are things that I can do that work for me, but... 
I would like to hear your perspective of people, you know, just getting used to being tired and unhappy and what that feels like for people. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, because well, while you were saying that, I'm, I'm remembering, you know, I love to be of service. And sometimes I've been known to overextend myself mm-hmm. because I, I, I don't always want to say no. Because it really is, when someone asks you to serve on their board or to do something, it is an honor that they did pick right. you. But what I realized a few times was, um, and I think we've even mentioned this before on the show, is when I realized suddenly it was not a joyful thing anymore. Um, I always say when we're doing spirituality, and that means even doing our jobs as ministers in um, spiritual community, it really, I mean, you know, we talk about expectation. I really believe in my heart of hearts that it is supposed to be joyful. We're not doing Exxon oil. <laughs> we are about our Father's business. And it really, if I always say to my board and to our, our team, if we're not having a good time, we're not in alignment with something. And so when I realize I'm beginning to be drained from something, I'm not having a good time, and I don't believe when I feel that way, that I can bring my highest and best to the table. And sometimes I've walked away, but the fear has been, because you know we get worried what other people think, Oh yeah. that somebody might say, oh, he's a quitter. No, <laughs> I will stay until I can no longer stay. Um, there's been things I've been a part of for years that I love doing. Uh, you know, being a, on the field licensing program, being a mentor has been right. a very, and it's work. People, I mean, you're constantly, you know, traveling and on doing things, but it is the greatest joy to me. I did walk away from the Unity Worldwide Ministry Board, and people said, oh, was there some big secret? No, there was no big secret. We were exhausted from the travel, and Mm -hmm. it was during a huge shift. So I think that if when we're in the flow, our body will tell us enough's enough. Our emotions will tell us um, it's time for us to go sit down somewhere and be quiet. So, yeah, I totally understand that, and I do think it, sometimes we're on autopilot and we just keep doing. I said to you a minute ago before we went live, sometimes it feels like I'm tap dancing as fast as I can, and sometimes I go, who are you trying to impress? And then I remember there's no one to impress, only God to be expressed, and I go sit down. <laughs> I love that. You know, I I always know with myself that there's like a an energetic line between being happy and crossing that line and just being tired or doing too much or actually sometimes becoming miserable to me, to myself. And it's not healthy after a while. And I know in my own personal life I had to get to the place one time that I got unhealthy and my body was giving me all kinds of signs because I didn't want to pay attention to them any other way, if that makes sense. And I would keep doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different outcome. Of course, I'm sure you've never done that. But, And, you know, it, when I do that, I realize that eventually I'm pushing against the flow of spirit because I'm thinking, you know, I can do this or I can fix this or I can, you know, bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan as good as everybody else. But at some point in time, you know, my judge for myself is my emotional well-being because that's the thing that works for me. Different things work for different people. 
But if I'm not feeling happy or feeling peaceful or feeling contented or feeling loving or those kinds of emotions, then I know that it's probably time for me to rest on some level. And, you know, I mean, that happens many times in the middle of a day when I know I need to pull out of something for a moment and just go back to my office and take a breath. You know, I think the example that I use a lot of times with people that I'm working with, and especially in this church, is that, you know, Jesus, the master teacher, it said he went up into the mountain. And again, I don't believe that he climbed a mountain. (laughs) I believe he went up into the place of meditation and silence and rejuvenated himself. And, you know, on some level what he was doing is shifting his energy because I think that he had been in situations, you know, can you imagine 5,000 people walking into your facility and wanting to eat? (laughs) And you're running around going, oh, we better call Kentucky Fried Chicken or something here pretty fast because we're going to have to do something here. But, you know, there there are moments in ministry as there are in other kinds of work and lifestyles that, you know, we get into stressful situations. And our energy sometimes gets wonky, as I say. And I have to know that if I get out there and try to do something with that wonky energy, it's probably not going to be the best thing. And so sometimes the best thing for me to do as the minister, as the leader, or as even a congregant in the church is to pull back for a minute and recharge my battery, plug back into the source, so to speak, you know, until I'm ready to go again. But I also know that sometimes there are belief systems that lead me to keep going because, as you said, what might somebody think, you know? And that is a, that's probably a, a bigger hurdle with lots of people than it is for others. But I know I had a, a board president one time that had been president for two years, and in our bylaws it, it basically had stated that you're on the board for three years, at a, a three-year term, and at the end of those two years, because we had sold property and bought property and had a lot going on, like you were talking about when you're on the association board, she came right. to me and said, I really need to step down. And she said, and I'm worried because I don't want people to think there's something going on. And I said, you know, number one, we can let people know that you're just tired and you need some uh, some respite and, and to not be at this board level. But I said, number two, we can't make all of our decisions worried about what are people going to think, you know. So I would like to hear from you about how you, you said you did that at the association level, but in other things in, in, in our lives, how we give ourselves some time just to relax and, and rejuvenate ourselves. Well, you know, last night, I, I mean, last, this past weekend I was in Houston, I flew mm-hmm. in on Friday night. I flew out right after the church service and came back home. Um, I took Monday as my my day off. I had things that I, I could have done and participated in. But, I mean, like I did Reverend Carla's radio show yesterday. Right. I left from that. I ran across town. I did our Truth on Tap, which is a 
spiritual discussion group, and sometimes we have 30 and 40 people. And by the time I left there last night driving home, I was going down, you know, the interstate going around the city, and I was like, I said to my administrator this morning, I said, I was so tired I wanted to cry. I mean, right. that's when I know, and I, I didn't really have anything to cry about, but yes. I was exhausted, <laughs> and I thought, and then, you know, the, the texting and the stuff that never stops, and that's when I have to go, okay, right. don't you bitch about what you do. You love what you do. Yes. So I always want to tell people that I love what I do, but I also know that I have to take care of me because nobody else is going to. Mm-hmm, hmm And you have to and draw you know, that line. I think, I think some people don't. You know, I know as far as being a minister, and I'm sure it goes for many different professions, people don't have any real concept of what a day could be like, you know, of the right. 450 text messages that you get from all different kinds of places and all the emails and the phone calls and the this and the that and the something else and running running to this meeting and putting on this hat and then running to the hospital and putting on a different hat and then running somewhere else and putting on a different hat. And, you know, there are times in the evening when I get home, you know, and my partner Judy is looking at me and she's like, are you okay? And I said, I just need to sit down for a minute, you know. I can't even answer that question right this minute. Am I okay? Yes, I know I'm okay, but I need to rejuvenate myself. So, you know, I think that when we talk about energy, the first thing that I generally say to anybody and that I say to myself is I have to be aware of my own energy flow. Some people I know are more like energizer bunnies and running around all the time, and I'm like, yay, that's exciting. I know that my energy ebbs and flows during the day. I'm a morning person, so I have lots and lots of energy at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. But by the time it gets to be 8 or 9 o'clock at night, I'm like fading into the woodwork of a room. So if I'm going to be doing something, you know, and I know I'm going to be up till 8 or 9 or sometimes 10 o'clock at night, you know, sometimes I go take a nap in the middle of the day, you know, which used to of I would have said, oh, that's a horrible thing to do. But it's like I have to gauge my own energy patterns so that I can be present to the moment of what's going on. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I, I mean, we were saying a minute ago about, you know, knowing your own, what your limits are, being in the flow. Mm-hmm. And I think if we really are aware of our body, our mind, and our spirit, if we pay attention to the signs – you know, that's why I always, you know, people say, well, don't don't go out barefooted, you'll catch cold. And I, I know now in my soul, we usually, we usually draw to us a cold so we will sit down and rest. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think I have anything because yeah. I went to the mailbox barefooted in the snow. <laughs> um, but I, I really believe it's a, the body will do whatever it takes to get us to go sit down and relax for a little bit and to rest when we won't do it for ourselves. And so I think making ourselves a priority is being in the flow. Most definitely. You know, and some people think that's selfishness, but it's us, like I said earlier, no one is going to take care of us the way we do. And, and we know when we when we go, okay, now, uh, the other day I said when I was in Houston, we had a board meeting, and then we went to lunch, and then I said, I'm done. You can take me back to the hotel, and I'm good. You don't have to take me to dinner tonight. I knew I right. was done from the, you know, the traveling and 
Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, everybody obliged, and they dropped me off, and I slept for an hour, and I got up, and I went for a walk. It was, you know, fall weather, even in Houston. It yes. was beautiful. So I, and I, I knew I had to have that quiet time. And so mm-hmm. being in the flow to me is being aware of you got to balance every time. You know, in the Scripture, there's a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to, right. <laughs> a time to play, and then there's a time to, you know, to, to be still and literally be still. Right, right. You know, the other thing that comes up for me is that when I have not taken that time for myself, sometimes I am pushing in into situations. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, but um, it's like I cannot go with the flow of the situation. I, one of the things that I think of is sometimes if not, if I've not had a lot of rest or if my energy is low, those people that probably I could be kinder to and more compassionate to but are right on the edge of people that I struggle with, if I've not had rest and if my energy is wonky, that's not going to be a good encounter. Does that make sense? I'm I'm not going to be peaceful. I'm not going to be loving. I'm probably going to say something I would regret saying um, because I'm pushing beyond what my limit is. And, you know, that's not a really good thing for a minister to do is to act ugly or be nasty or say something unloving, even though that sometimes we do. And I know that, you know, it it is a draining kind of thing to push beyond what I know I can do. You know, I have done that before in in text messages with people, you know, and I'm sure this has happened to you that, you know, somebody texts you and it's like a major emergency and you've got to go right now or do something right now. And it's, you know, I have had to carve out times that are just for me and times that are just for me and my partner, Judy. And I have been brave enough at times to even say to the board or to say to people, you know, it's not like if somebody died or something like that, but, you know, some people think their emergency is way bigger than it really is. But to say, I'm sorry, this is my time, and that's been a big learning for me over the last year and a half or so, is to know that I take time for me, And I even tell some of the people that work with me individually that are my clients, if you don't schedule your time for you, whatever that is, whether it's meditation, whether it's walking, whether it's going and exercising, whether it's doing yoga, then it may not happen. Because I know in my particular job here, in the things that I do in the church and the things that I do in the Nashville community, I could be busy 24-7 if I wanted to. And so I have to schedule times that are just for me that I call, you know, energy adjustment times where I introspectively go, okay, how am I feeling right now and how am I doing right now? And sometimes, like you were just talking about a walk, I love to just take off my shoes and go walk through the grass in my own backyard, you know, and just be. So sometimes I think if I'm not in the flow, that's exactly what I need to do is take time for me. And I can stay in the flow more often during the day if I make sure that I schedule those times ahead of time 
Now, again, I would like to hear from you. Do you schedule times for you to be able to just do what you need to do? I do. I mean, one of my one of my big things, and I'm actually I just said the other day I went and I had a massage on Monday, and I uh-huh. do 90 minutes. And my thing is, do not talk to me. Do not ask right. me. You know, I will. I don't want to talk. I, no, I've I never fallen asleep in a massage. massage table. Yeah, <laughs> just you know, just I don't want to have a conversation. Or when they find out what you do, they want a counseling session while they're rubbing yes. your butt cheeks. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> hey. Get off me. And so I guess my thing is, too, is about I cannot give myself permission to cut my phone totally off. I cut the I cut the sound off mm-hmm. because, you know, my mother's in assisted living, and she, right. she's, you know, I, I would feel horrible if they tried to. Right. So I check it. I pick it up. I pick it up. I pick it up. Even in the night, I get up to go to the bathroom, and I, I reach over and I grab the phone to see if anything during the night is important. Right. And so I said, you know, um, I have to schedule a time that after a certain time at night, mm-hmm. please don't be, you know, Facebooking me at 1030 at night. Right. Um, and thinking I'm going to engage because I'm like you by that. I'm up at 530 every morning, mm-hmm. even on days off. But right. By 10, 1030, I'm either in the bed reading or right. I'm already asleep, but I'm an early riser. So um, I do set aside times for me, time to read. I always say a good day off for me is put the the music on, yes. inspirational, you know, new agey music, and I get on the couch and I read with my Kindle, and I just yes. go, "This is heaven, folks." Most definitely. So. And you know, it's interesting because I have a an individual that is a very good friend of mine, who right now is working somewhere between 75 and 90 hours a week. Wow. And I've told this individual, you cannot continue to do that, you know, Mm-mm. infinitum, because it, you know, it, it, I think in our society today, and I, I do believe that it's shifting on some level in some corporations, but I do know even when I worked in education, you were applauded for working longer hours. The teachers that were there till 7 or 8 or 9 o'clock at night were applauded. And I'm like, can we begin to shift our consciousness in our world to applaud people that take some time for themselves and to regroup and to break this workaholic kind of a thing that people have and know that it's just as important to take time for you know, your body, mind, spirit connection as it is to do your work, whatever that work might be. And hear me, I love ministry. I'm like you. I'm thrilled to do it. But I also know that I'm not going to be the best that I can be at what I'm doing in the moment if I haven't taken time for me. And, again, I'm I'm very glad that it seems like sometimes some of that is shifting, but I know that there are probably a lot of people out there that are either listening to us or will download this who have, if they're not still doing it, have at times in their lives been what the, you would call a workaholic and working long, long hours and not having any time for themselves or their families. You know, I was in a workshop over the last week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, was the Tennessee Association of Community Leaders. 
And we had this woman that spoke to us at the end of the conference that was the closing speaker, and I would have loved to have just packed her up and brought her home with me because I told Judy the name of her topic was the things your meemaw would tell you now if she could talk to you. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, I like it. And I was like, all righty. But the one thing she said that hit me between the eyes was don't catch yourself spending all your time with people that are not going to be sitting on the front four rows of your funeral. That's true. You just got quiet. And and it's like I went, wow. Because, you know, when you think about, and, and that's not necessarily as true in ministry, but it might be. But I think about other jobs that I've had and other people, and you're spending all of your time and exhausting yourself with all of this stuff, and you spend very little time with your family or your or your kids or whatever else. And it's an interesting world that we live in when we think about all of that. I, I don't know if you have something to add to that, but, you know, I, I know that it hit me between the eyes when she said it in those words, so... Well, do you remember when we were in school and they constantly yes. talked to us about self-care? And I remember we used yes. to all roll our eyes right? because, I mean, we were so um, busy in doing all the things we were doing, running our churches and being in school. And they'd say, well, what are you doing right. for self-care? Well, I had an icy at the Tom Thumb or, you know what I mean? And they would like say, oh, I no, no, you, you know. Uh, ice cream cone yesterday, that's what I did. <laughs> right. So we, but I realize now it is really important that we create a program for ourselves of self-care. And people go, well, I'm too busy. Um, I'm telling you, you won't be too busy for long if you do not create for you a self-care program of taking time to breathe, to meditate, to get a massage, walk the beach, whatever. Because self-care balances the body, mind, and spirit. And like in just a few moments, you know, when, when Jerry's about to come on with us, you know, with the work that she does, uh, you know, and for those of you who are listening, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but her website is um, efficientbrain.com. And so when you go to that, she works on how we process things. Some of us process, like you were saying, the teachers somehow think they're going to get a, a, an extra pat on the back because they work till 9 o'clock. You know what I mean? And that somewhere you go, right. you're exhausted and you're resentful that you're working till 9 o'clock at night. And so it's about how we process the energy of what we feel, what we think. I mean, I've done a lot of things in my life for people because I didn't know how to say no to them. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, they'll think I'm not a nice person. Or I mean, I've had people just point blank say, hey, well, I'm getting married. Will you do it for free? Right. And yes. I'm thinking, I would no. never say that to somebody. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And so I now do. I say, call, call my administrator, and she tells them right mm-hmm. off the bat. That's, a, you know. That's up to it, but she tells them the cause. But, I mean, to to learn to say self-care means I set up a program of respecting myself, loving Mm -hmm. myself. I say yes when I mean yes, and I learn to say no when I mean no, and and have to surrender. Not that you still don't break into a cold sweat when you have to tell somebody no and you think, oh, they're probably not going to like me very much. I can't please the world half the time. I can't even please myself. Right. So. You know, the other thing that comes up for me, and I'm sure Jerry – We'll talk about something, some of all of what we've talked about at some point in time, but, you know, being around people that are negative is probably the biggest drain 
that I deal with ever at this point in time in my life as far as knowing myself and knowing that if certain groups of people or certain things that I'm doing are the right thing for me, you know, I usually judge by sensing the negative energies of other people because I'm not sure that some of us are aware that if there's a lot of negative energy in the room, some of us pick some of that up, you know, and take it with us and deal, try to deal with it, some of us empathic people. So, you know, I also have to be mindful not only of how I'm using my my time and making sure that I take breaks and take care of myself, but I also have to be very mindful of the environments and the places and the people that I step into to be with. And, you know, I have learned very, very often over the last two or three years that no is a complete sentence, as you said. No, you know, I cannot do X, Y, and Z. I don't have to say to those people that are asking because you are nasty, negative people. But I, but I can, but I can just say no. I'm sorry. No, I can't do that right now because I. And see, that. But that's what I'm. That's what I think about. Like you know, when we get into this in just a few moments with Jerry about about energy, is yes. feel. I mean, there's a feeling. Energy is forever present, and I, I'm constantly trying to get my congregation, my my spiritual community people, to close their eyes and feel the energy. You can see someone yes. walk into a room and you can feel their energy if you pay attention and they don't ever have to open their mouth. You can tell there's there's a chip on their shoulder or that they're a peaceful presence or that they're mad at the world just if you pay attention to the energy. And that's that's part of the thing to me is feeling the energy of when I when I get fearful to set a healthy boundary and I say uh no, no that doesn't mm-hmm. work for me, but let me tell you what does. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that's different than just going. You know, you want to go to dinner? No, no, that doesn't work for me tonight. But I'll tell you what does. You come over and rub right. my feet while I watch. You know, the Partridge Family. That would work really well. And they'll leave you. They'll walk away. They right. always do. So. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk a little bit about this wonderful Dr. Jerry Levine that's about to come on with us. So you know, one of the I met Jerry through going to the retreats at Edwin Gaines's Rock Ridge Retreat Center and. Uh, we just connected right away. She's funny. She's vibrant. Um, her personality always engages the people around. But one of the things, too, I mean, Jerry's been doing it for over 25 years, working with children and adults about, I was saying about her website, EfficientBrain.com. She she works with people on how they process things, whether it's light, um, through the lenses of glasses. I mean, I've seen videos of some of the, some stuff that's just phenomenal work that she does. But the other thing that she does and is probably going to be doing more and more of is her spiritual work. She's a phenomenal speaker when it comes to speaking on spirituality and, and, and the spiritual principles. Um, she is a master uh, firewalking facilitator and my friend also just recently went and to California and she did the thing where they walk on glass and I have not done that but I mean that's the thing that's really cool about Jerry and the the reason that I I asked Jerry back because last time I had so much feedback that people really like the way that Jerry Mm -hmm. she cuts to the chase 
she's real, she doesn't do fluff. And so today, I mean, I said to her, well, I mean, what are, what are you passionate about right now? And she's like, well, energy. And, and of course, energy is, as I said, forever present. And it's about learning to be aware of it, learning how to use it and how to feel it. Because I truly believe if we're aware of the energy around us, we will always be guarded, guided, and protected. So we're welcoming back to the show today, Dr. Jerry Levine, who is somewhere in her car. Jerry, welcome back. Hey, thanks, y'all. I am hey. in the car. I am in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Wow. <laughs> and I so appreciate you letting me come hang out for a little while. This is lovely. Cool. Yeah. So tell us what your thought is on, um, you know, last night in the Truth on Tap thing, one of the questions I presented to the people was, do you believe that you're teachable? You know, a lot of them looked at me like, what does that mean? But, I mean, for me, recently what's coming up, and it, it is energy, is about all of a sudden I'm getting it really, really clear that I it's now time for me to learn about the energy of the body, the chakra system. I never wanted much to do with it. I didn't care. And all of a sudden it's like everywhere I turn I'm being told to read, to study, to learn, and, the, and that's energy in the body. So where are you at right now in your spiritual awakening, your spiritual journey, on this whole process of energy, and then we'll hear from Denise where she is. Okay. Well, first of all, I am totally teachable and wouldn't want to work with a teacher or a therapist or a doctor who's not still actively working, actively learning, actively honing their craft. There's just way too much new information every day available, and I think especially when it comes to these types of of issues and these types of ideas. We have so much more information now than we had just several years ago about how the body responds to energy. We've been dealing with how plants respond to energy and to emotions for years, and it's, it's, it's more and more scientifically documentable. And I think that's exciting because it gives us, a little bit of a tangible hold on it. You know, it's not just all in my head or I'm not just all making this up. No, this is real and I can show you how those different frequencies affect you and how those different frequencies work. And I loved what y'all were talking about earlier with the taking care of ourselves. That whole idea about put the oxygen mask on your own face before you help somebody else I think is so incredibly important, and especially for those of us in roles where large numbers of people are depending on us. Most definitely. Lord mercy. You know, it's one of the reasons that when I came back to this ministry, I had a deep desire to begin a healing arts ministry inside this ministry that is called Unity of Music City. And I now have a a woman that's very passionate about that, and she's taken that on as hers to move it forward. But one of the things that we feel very passionate about, the two of us, is that we bring at least one time a month some sort of an energetic healing kind of an event to our church. Um, people say, well, do people come? You know, the people come that need that. I mean, it's always right and perfect, whoever's there. Sometimes it might be um, 
a musical thing with gongs or the singing bowls, and sometimes it might be we have Reiki practitioners here. You know, it might be many different modalities, but I one of the things I believe is that we are at least raising people's awareness in this facility about their own energy and how that affects their day-to-day lives, their emotions, their everything that goes on. And, you know, it it has been a, a leap of faith for me, especially being here in what I call the buckle of the Bible belt, because, you know, some of that is frowned upon. Um, we're considered a little bit more woo-woo than some of the other Unity churches out there. But, um, you know... I'm just, we are kind of looking at ourselves as as an experiment place of learning, people being able to come in here and learn about different energy modalities. And, um, Jamie, we have a woman here who is a Reiki master who, you know, teaches us a lot of times about the chakra systems. And I have learned so much just listening to her and beginning to understand that, you know, thing inside me that I thought was something else is energy system that I need to do more work on. Does that make any sense, Jerry, when I say that? Oh, it does. It, it makes total sense. And there are a couple of things I wanted to, to touch on with this. It's such a big topic. But one of the things that we have spent a lot of time, I think, working on, and, and also I, I use this with my clients a lot, is and for some of us it's easier than others absolutely but when and 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 you you touched on it a little while ago about when we get in a situation where the energy's negative or we get in a situation where we feel like somebody's just pulling really hard on our energy system you know those kinds of situations and one of the things that i was taught that has been really helpful and you know i'm in atlanta and it, which is still a very traditional city, where I'm at least right. in Atlanta part of the time now. And even my more traditional clients are willing to listen to different things they can do, different breathing techniques, different different aspects that they can focus on to help. And one of the things that I was taught and that I now teach pretty regularly is we have a belief system that we create our own reality. And, and, and so many people in this field talk about that. And it's, it's pretty much considered, I think, kind of a common core belief that, mm-hmm. you know, as we change the things we look at, what we look at changes and all of that. So I think it's pretty clear. I, I don't know that we would disagree that, that we create our own reality, that we, we set up the parameters for our lives. And so if I have that ability if I have the ability to create my own life and my own situation, then when I'm in a situation where someone's angry with me and just throwing that energy at me as hard or as fast as he or she can, just because that's coming at me doesn't mean I have to take it in. I'm in charge. I'm in charge of my energy field and I'm in charge of my energy system. And if someone wants to sit and throw 
metaphorical daggers at me because they don't like what I've said or they don't agree with my opinion, as that energy is coming toward me, I can shift that. I don't have to accept that. I don't have to cut it off. I don't have to separate myself. I can change that energy as I as it gets to me. So I just kind of imagine that there's a large screen, like on a screened window, in front of me. And as that energy hits, I just take the parts of it that I want. Or I shift the whole thing coming in. So I still get an, you know, an impact of energy, and sometimes it's a lot coming all at once, but I get to decide what that is. And that completely shifts the situation for me. I'm in control of at least me, which is what I want, which is what's appropriate. I'm in control of what I accept and what I don't. doesn't mean I will continue to put myself in situations where I'm not comfortable or that I have to do that extra work, but especially I think in our positions and the the types of of work that we're doing, that's going to happen on occasion. And if I don't rub somebody the wrong way, sometimes am I really doing my best work? You know, (laughs) my job is to make them think. And so if that happens, it's okay. And then that removes that feeling of, this is personal and this is, I get to take all of that out of the equation on my end. And certainly it takes some practice. It did for me. And sometimes it's easier than others, but it's been a really nice tool to kind of add to the box and made some situations that would be really upsetting to me or exhausting. Not that way at all. Right. What you think, Jamie? Well, I mean, I was taking a few notes because I like the big screen mm-hmm. theory. I like that. But yeah. my question is, sometimes, I'm not saying it's me, <laughs> but sometimes we didn't move quick enough or think quick enough, and so we let a little bit of their funkiness in. So what would you suggest once we feel, okay, I'm about to react to the energy that this person is projecting towards me what could a listener do it's already you know you've already now you've got me upset because i I, i've bought into what you're saying how do i immediately reject that energy and shift back to being centered the fastest way to shift this neurologically in the brain is to breathe eight counts in eight counts out and while you're breathing deep breathing you can't be talking so it gives you a moment it gives you that pause you know we talk about the pause Mm -hmm. and so it gives us that moment to pause which is nice because that keeps us from reacting instead of responding it allows us to not go to the knee-jerk reaction and and we, I talked about we had a retreat at Wayne's this weekend, and we talked a little bit about this, that when we get caught in an old behavior or we get caught up in what we would want to judge as a negative behavior or feeling bad, it is only because that neural pathway is very well developed in the brain. It's a deep groove. It's a strong connection. And so when we realize I think when we realize that part of this is that simple, it's just because that's what's there. 
doesn't mean we can't change it or create new neural pathways. But when we get, when we plug in to that negativity or that anger or that resentment or whatever that is that we've let a little bit in, as soon as we realize, well, that's just happening because that particular connection was strong. So I'm going to change that connection. It takes out the guilt and it takes out the judgment because it's just very physiological at that point. And so eight counts in, eight counts out. And you only have to do it a couple of times to get that entire prefrontal cortex to completely recenter. And it's just, it's like, it's just like hitting the, you know, the reboot button. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. And the more quickly the brain begins to respond because we're changing that neural pathway that we're going to call was negative or could easily plug into negative. And now it doesn't, it doesn't react, doesn't have the same feeling in the brain. If it doesn't feel the same way in the brain, it's not going to feel the same way in the body. Right. Okay. So tell me, I I read something. Okay. All right, so I read something on the plane that really blew my mind, and I was like, well, I know I've heard this before, but maybe I wasn't ready. So what did you call the – it's the front lobe of the brain. What did you call that? Well, right now, specifically, we're talking about the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. So is that the same as the – that's almost where the third eye is, correct? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what I read was, which I was totally blown away, and I was – you know, we hear all this stuff about uh, the – art and practice of manifesting. And what the the thing was saying was we have to pull the desire. We have to, through, through, you know, breath work, energy work, to, and they kept calling it the frontal lobe of the Mm -hmm. brain. And we have to see it like a movie playing. You know, you can have a thought somewhere in your big old noggin, but it said you have to consciously move that forward to the frontal lobe of the brain to create the energy to manifest it, and you have to see it like right. a movie play. And it, it, really, it really was profound to me, and so that came up for me while you were talking. Does that have anything to do with what you're talking about? Well, it, it does, absolutely. Now, what's interesting to me about the seeing it as a movie, if, you, if some people visualize very easily, very easily. They see pictures easily. They don't even have to close their eyes and they can see pictures. Some people don't. If someone closes their eyes or even with their eyes open, easily sees pictures, then we know that they are that they're visual on a conscious or a subconscious level because that particular skill is easy to, to do. If somebody has a really hard time visualizing, One of the things you can do is with your eyes opened or closed, it doesn't matter, you can look up and to the left or the right. And that will help make that visual contact stronger because ultimately when we're manifesting, we definitely want to use the prefrontal cortex, but we want to use the visual, the auditory, and the kinesthetic. So you want to see that movie of what you're wanting to manifest. You want to create a soundtrack that goes with that. You want to be talking about getting this whatever it is or going to this place. Or on my short list is India. I've never been to India. I really want to go to India. So as I imagine putting that trip together, I see sites that I've seen in on television or on the internet, you know, 
of places in India, things that I want to visit. And I can hear the sounds in the market. You know, I, I know how good it feels when I eat curry, you know, those kinds of things. And so, Jamie, that's exactly right. And then ultimately we want to tie in the auditory and the kinesthetic. And that way, regardless of how we process, we're getting it consciously, subconsciously, and unconsciously. All right, so break down what we mean by kinesthetic. Kinesthetic is the feeling. It's either the physical doing of something. If someone is a kinesthetic learner, they learn by building the volcano, not reading about it, right? Or it's by attaching to an emotion. Kids will often, kinesthetic children will often do better for teachers they like than teachers they don't like. Yep. You know, those kinds of things. There are people that we'll work harder for because we like them than people we don't like. We don't want to work as hard for them or or work as hard to please them, those kinds of things. So kinesthetic is being physically involved. So so if, if I'm planning this trip to India and I want to get really kinesthetic about it, I'm going to go try on sorry. You know, I'm going to do something with that. That's still going to engage the prefrontal cortex, but it gives it to me on a different level. Or attaching to the emotion. I think about how great it's going to be when I'm standing in front of the Taj Mahal. You know, those kinds of, those kinds of, and for me, I'm always looking for contacts. So there's an Erlen director in, um, there's several in India. And when I get to meet with them and we get to talk about the different ways we do the work with completely different cultures, man, that's exciting. I can feel that, right? That's the kinesthetic. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because my a lot of my experience other than ministry has been in education. And I believe education has been behind in some of that area and is just beginning to wake up to some of that because it's the kinesthetic learners that have always been the ones that have been in trouble all the time. Exactly. And bless their heart, 10 to 1, they have a teacher who's very auditory and very visual and very still. Right. Right. (laughs) And I had a son like that, my youngest son, and... His kindergarten, first, and second grade years were horrendous. And then Mm. his third grade teacher, about every 15 to 20 minutes, would get them up out of their seats and do some sort of quick little song or quick little exercise thing. He adored her, and he had the best year of his life in elementary school. So, you know, it was like our world, I think about this on Sunday morning all the time when I'm putting together a lesson because it's like, how do we get information out to people who are visual and auditory and kinesthetic, and how do we make it all flow nicely, you know, because everybody has such a different experience, even in a church service on Sunday morning. So, Absolutely, absolutely. And on top of that, there is also in the brain, even, even, if, you're, if, even if you had a group, that's all visual learners on a conscious level, you know, right. and auditory on a subconscious. So they can, they can sit there for a long period and be 
still and they can watch your PowerPoint and they can listen right. to you and they just even when you have like the perfect audience for what you're presenting, you mm-hmm. still have to shift gears every nine minutes. Yes. Yes. Right? That's the magic number with the brain. You have to shift gears every nine minutes. You have to change the subject. You have to get them to physically shift. You have to do something every nine minutes. The attention span just doesn't last. Right. Right. And it's interesting that our culture has not really paid attention to a lot of that. I mean, I know a lot of us have learned these kinds of things, but, you know, um, I know that, both of my sons in going through high school and college, you know, think about a lot of colleges. You walk in and somebody's very dry and boring going to lecture to you for an hour and a half. Right. Like, okay, that's not exciting. So it's it's interesting to me that even with all the research that we have about how to use this information, it's not trickling down to some of the places that it needs to trickle down to. Oh, I I agree. I pray every night the school system would just put me out of business. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen for a while, do you? <laughs> <sighs> All right, oh, so my. I have a question on Facebook that says, listening to the show, and my question is, how do you know when the energy you think you're feeling is correct or your imagination? Wow. Jerry? That's a great question. That's it a great, great question. question. Oh, well, let's see. For me, I guess I can tell you how I do it. One of the things I have to look at, and this isn't a direct answer, so I'll go back, but one of the things I have to look at with an emotion, if I, if I, if I'm feeling pretty good, and all of a sudden something shifts and I don't feel so great, the first thing I have to look at is, is this mine? Mm-hmm. Have, I, have I inadvertently picked up something else that isn't mine? And if that's my first question, wow, is this mine? Mm-hmm. And if it, if it is, there's kind of a feeling for me that's a little heavy. And if it isn't, there's kind of a, a I feel a little lighter. And then I can just return that energy to, you know, I can just return to sender, you know, with with consciousness. I don't even have to know what it is or what it's about. I can just let it go. And then if it is mine, I have to spend a little time sometimes understanding where did this come from or why am I feeling this way? And there's so many things, I think, that affect how we feel because we are – you know, the what we take into our bodies makes a huge difference. You know, there's nothing in the world, there is nothing in the world worse for your brain than processed sugar. Yes. And so we had a big birthday party the other night for Sandy, and I didn't feel so good the next morning. Well, I had the first piece of cake I've probably had in eight or nine months. Mm-hmm. So... So I think we have to really spend some time being super aware about what are we doing and and where could this have come from? And then why am I feeling this way? And what if it's something that's not good, if it's not comfortable, then how do I how do I shift that? How do I make that into something that works for me? And you know the does other that, thing that comes that up sense? from Yes, it does. And the other thing that comes up from 
I don't know where the person was actually coming from with their question, is that sometimes I've worked with clients who live more in the past than they do in the present moment. Mm. And so they could be recreating this thing in their mind, and it makes them anxious all the time, if that makes sense. almost like a PTSD kind of a thing or something. But Exactly. It's like, okay, is this happening right now in this moment, or is it not? Because sometimes my emotions are attached to something that is not even real in this moment right now, but I've got myself all worked up about it. Does that does that make well, some sense? I think Maybe. what's coming up know. for me, well, I mean, I think what what I felt when I read the question was, I mean, sometimes I've walked into a, a location, I've walked into a room filled with people, and I uh-huh. felt something, and sometimes okay. I would go, oh, you're just being ridiculous. But mm-hmm. I have walked into people's homes before, yeah. And I, you know, I, I try to be mindful of what you say, and I would say, you know, bottom line is, is this place haunted? You know right. what I mean? They would look at you, and they're like, why? What'd you feel? And most mm-hmm. of the time, I was right. So part of my thing is, is I can walk in somewhere, and I can feel the the, the chill thing go up the back of my neck, which is like a, a, a red flag that there's, there's energy um, present that I am not seeing. And so right. I think that's, you know, sometimes you'll go, oh, you must... You know, you must be making – I had an experience um, – Halloween's coming. So <laughs> last weekend before last, we went to – on a Saturday afternoon. It's a beautiful day. So my friend Christy and I went to the cemetery, beautiful cemetery, and her mother and father are, are buried there. But they're in, like, the filing cabinets is what I call them. You know, they're the right. above-ground things. And so she's she's standing there having her moment with her mom and dad, and I lay down on this bench, and all of a sudden I – felt something. I felt like something move around me, you know, and I thought, oh, you're being ridiculous. You're in a cemetery. It's the wind. But all of a sudden, I heard an elderly um, African-American gentleman singing. Um, and, I, you know, I kind of looked. But the interesting thing was it sounded like it was encased in, like, that marble, and wow. so I sat up and I looked, and there were some grave diggers a little ways down the way. But And I turned and I looked at Christy and I said, did you hear that? And she's, her eyes are as big as saucers, and she said, I heard it. And I thought, we looked, there's nobody around singing, but it sounded like it was in that mausoleum building. Right. And so I, I, I laid back down on the bench, and then I heard it again. And, um, and the song that, he, that we were hearing him sing was Old Man River which is hardly wow. something you'd be singing at a funeral. And so I was like, okay, I, I, he moved through, I felt him, but she doesn't usually feel things, and she caught it. And that's why I go, that's what came to mind for me about when you, you go, oh, I just made that up. But sometimes if we work with it, if we play with it, we begin to feel the energy immediately. And, you know, I always say when I feel that, I start looking around, around me to see, you know, I'm always afraid I'm going to wet my pants if there's something standing in the corner, but I know something's there and I feel it. So what is what is the take on that from, uh, you know, a minister person, doctor person, we're all spiritual here, but as, as far as energy of things we cannot see, how do we validate and trust it that there's something going on, I guess is what I'm asking. You guys' take on that. 
I think we, I think, well, I know for me, I just have to get, I just have to get comfortable and more confident perhaps about, about those kinds of, of situations. I'm not sure exactly, I don't know how to validate it exactly. I have friends that do, that work with realtors, which fascinates me, and do house clearing, right, to clear out old energy or to clear different things. I have a a friend that lives in Fort Payne who um, unintentionally bought a house that's built over a creek or an underwater water system that's actually pretty close to the surface, but unbeknownst to her. And that situation is quite the portal. And there, you know, you hear all kinds of things in that house. And I don't see so much, but I can certainly feel things and I'll hear things. And, you know, the doors will blow open or closed or that kind of thing. And, you know, and, and after a while, it's it's not coincidental and it's not the wind. And it it has to be. So it's been helpful, those kinds of situations have been helpful for me and just being more open to that. I, for me, it's about awareness and just being willing to be more aware and be willing to be more open to what's around. And, and, and again, since it's just energy to begin to work with that a little bit has been really helpful to me and, and there's a whole lot more going on around me than I ever realized. And I, I think it's kind of nice to be able to click into that a little bit and to, to broaden my perspective, you know, and my awareness. I think it, it, it helps me then in dealing with other types of energies, I think. The more aware I am and the more I can work on different levels, I think it makes all of it work better for me does that does that make any sense it it most definitely does you know i i think that we all realize that you know we're not the only ones here (laughs) (laughs) that there are other dimensions and other um beings and for us to get comfortable with that and know that those other dimensions show up for each of us in different ways. I, being a very kinesthetic person myself, quite interestingly, usually the first way that I notice that there is energy or a being or something in a room or has been there is I get a smell. And it could be somebody from my past. You know, uh, my grandmother visits me quite frequently, and a lot of times on Sunday mornings she's there. And she wore this one particular Avon cologne that is very distinct. And I remember it as a little girl growing up in her house, and I can smell it very, very strong. So, you know, but I think sometimes people are scared of that kind of thing or they don't want to believe in that kind of a thing or something. Um, I had a congregant that was in my congregation that 
actually had been like a second mother to me when I started in unity because my parents couldn't deal with me shifting out of a fundamental religion and into the unity way of life. And when she made her transition about two and a half years ago, she still, and I, I don't say this to a lot of people, so people listening may freak out, but, you know, there are things in our house that just fall or move around. Um, I have felt her sit of the bed at times and wake me up and put her hand in the middle of my back. Um you know, she is there with me. It doesn't alarm me at all. And, you know, I would like to hear what you think about that because there are there are people that I share some of that with and they're like, oh, I don't believe any of that at all. And then there are people that, you know, do believe that at all. And that's just another perspective on energy. But, you know, I don't believe we're here alone. I believe there are other energy fields and other vibrational beings around us that we may not be able to see, but they're here. Oh, absolutely. I I think they're here. I thought, oh, they've all left me. No. No. (laughs) I was trying to be polite. Yay. (laughs) It's just us. You don't have to be polite. Write it down. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my. So no, I've experienced think, it many times. Yeah. Many times in my life I've experienced it. And um, it's. I always say just don't frighten me. If I feel their energy there, I say, you know, just don't frighten me. Um, if you right. want to communicate with me, uh, I'm open and receptive to that. But I don't. I always, you know, I don't be standing at the foot of my bed and shaking it because <laughs> daddy don't play that. But right. if you want to talk to me in the middle of the Chick-fil-A in the mall, I'm on. Right, you know. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I've I've had situations where I've I've in doing lenses when I when I use the Erlen method with clients and we're trying to find the right lens combination. And sometimes, every once in a while, I'll just get in a situation where we're not. It's not working. We're not finding what we need. We both know. You know, the client knows we they need color, and I know they need color, and so we're working it out and my mom this was part of her practice as well before she transitioned and every once in a while you know I can say hey help me you know give me something here and I'm telling you Denise something will pop into my head Mm -hmm. that's completely that doesn't make any sense that isn't anything along how I would do this, how I would arrive at that. Well, and something will pop into my head, and it'll be, well, that's not going to work. And it's like, you know, <laughs> there's almost this feeling of you asked me, right? <laughs> you know. Yes. And sure enough, so many times that just comes through. And if if I have God, if I have guides, if I have access to to information there's no reason that it can't be a family member or someone that I was very close to or it seems to me that those connections might almost be easier than than connecting to an energy that I didn't have some type of relationship or connection to before you know trying to to access some ascended master 
may actually, you know, not be quite as easy as tuning in to my mom or a friend that's passed or those kinds of things. And if I'm making all that up, I'm fine with that. Because <laughs> it brings you, me comfort, <laughs> you know? Yes. Well, it gives me comfort, you know. I I know sometimes... When I, you know, am in a place where I'm, I'm like you, I'm not really sure what direction to go or whatever, and I smell my grandmother's cologne, it's like, mm. okay, I know she's right there, and like you said, she will give me something if I'll just wait and ask for it. You know, right. it and might if not I'm come open. in that very moment, but it will come, and, I'll, and I right. will know that it's from her because it'll come in such a way that I that it was from her, if that makes any sense. So. Oh, it does. And I always just giggle and go, well, thank you. That's exactly what I need to know. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I think, too, I really think that what we do is when, for some of us who grew up in traditional um, society or traditional church, a lot of these things are considered, as we referred to it earlier, as woo-woo. But the, the thing is, is when we realize as spiritual beings, that life is eternal. I don't know why we, we act like we're so shocked that somebody, you know, somebody saw a, a spirit or somebody heard. You know, when I heard the man, I, I really did. I popped up like I was a Pop-Tart. And, I, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, yeah. if you're in a cemetery, why wouldn't, if you're, if you're open and receptive to that energy, why wouldn't you hear it? And I, I do want, it's not that I don't want to hear it. I want it to become second nature, just like, like you know, when we're at um, at Rock Ridge and we either are on the John of God bed or we're on the Baytar, there are people who say, oh, my God, I felt this or I felt that or I had to lift my eye um, patch thing that's covering my eyes to see because somebody touched me. And then other people go, I felt nothing. Well, I mean, you felt nothing because you're probably not open, but other people do feel it. And so my thing is the excitement of being open and receptive as spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. And again, for listeners, we're not talking about your religious belief. We're talking about the connectedness that you begin, the more that you affirm that you're open and receptive, which we talked about the chakras for just a moment, but I've been working with them. I drive down the, the highway and I make myself laugh because I'm driving. I'm like, well, my root is spinning and then my sacral is <laughs> spinning. You know, I know, I'm like having a good old time. And, but what I found is the more that I focus on that third eye spinning, mm-hmm. I'm getting more and more psychic moments where and then I even I still do and I go you're just making that up but I mean within an hour the other day I thought of two people that I hadn't heard of from in forever and it was like click click one was on Facebook one was an email and I had the thing about I wonder where they are and so you realize the more that you open your body your mind and your spirit to higher vibration and that's the thing is you don't want to play with low vibration uh, you want to always affirm that it is of the purest white light, but on the Baytar bed, the sound vibrations going through the body. Um, I remember one of the first times I ever did the Baytar bed, um, it was not with Kenny. There was someone filling in for him. I felt very, very sick, and I was afraid to do it after that. And Kenny said to me, Jamie, I, that was probably something breaking up that had like crystallized in your body, 
which I understood that. I'd worked in, in the health food industry for years. And he said, so I promise you, most likely it won't happen again. And he said, I'm going to do the next session. I'll be there with you. I felt, even with my eyes closed and I had a, a covering over my eyes, I knew that he was there. I knew that he was working on my body. Same thing with Deborah Champion when we're there and she does it. I can't see and I can't hear because the music's going through my body and the headphones, but I know the energy is being swirled around my body. And so that's what I'm saying for people who are listening, and that's one of the questions we've been posting on Facebook. Do you feel energy? Um, I just post because we were talking about, do you uh, feel spirits? And I put in parentheses energy. And, and because it's about us, you know, one of, one of my favorite um, affirmations is I always pay attention. So if we are fully present and paying attention, we will feel more, we will hear more, and we will see more. And um, what, what is the, Jerry, what is your thought about that, about ways for us to be more open and receptive? And even in the scriptures it says, you know, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. So I think sometimes the listeners are going, well, I don't know if I believe in that mess. What's your take on that? <laughs> oh, that's cute. Um, well, first of all, I love the idea of the eye patch on the Baytar. So you're like a pirate Baytar. I love that. But um, one of the things, well, I mean, huh, it's hard because, you know, this. I love, I love these kinds of conversations because we get to bump up against belief systems, you know, and we get to bump up against something that sometimes in our lives is kind of rigid and, no, there can't be anybody else here and there can't be any spirits and no one can be talking to me. And, and a lot of times I think it's, it's more about my perception of that because Mm -hmm. even if I don't believe that my mother can talk to me or can tell me where the pepper is when I can't find it or, you know, those kinds of things, you know, I've got an open line of communication with my God and whether that's something that I can feel inside of me or if that's something I decide I grew up in the Methodist church and and so I grew up with what some people deem a sky God and there's still times that that doesn't always feel inside of me and I know from what I told you earlier, that I'm just going back to an old belief. I'm going back to an old neural pathway, but it also helps me know that maybe I'm not in my most aware form. If I'm separating from things, if I'm separating from God, if I am separating from my own awareness or my own intuition, that maybe I'm not in the middle of the flow and I want back. Like when you talked about you had the thoughts and then people showed up on Facebook. I love that. And that's, that's one of those situations that really helps me know I am in what I call the flow, that I am really centered and I am really open and I, I am really aware because those, those little things start to happen. And I think they happen to all of us. I think it's how much attention are we willing to give that? How much importance am I willing to give those kinds of situations? At 53, I did not think my practice would be so mobile and I would be spending so much of my time in different areas of the Southeast. 
and I will get in the car to come to Mississippi or Louisiana or Florida, and I'll say, are you sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Are you sure this is the best use of my talents and gifts? And I kid you not, within hour or hours sometimes it doesn't my connection isn't i'm not there yet it's not instantaneous all the time yet but i'm working on it but the phone will ring i just found your website or i just found you talking to a psychologist or my eye doctor or whatever and i'm in orlando when's the next time you're going to be in orlando i see you travel to florida and i'll say well i i just hit the state line so i'll probably be there in about three hours and they're really excited, and then they're totally creeped out all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But those kinds of situations, because I give them power, because I make them important, more of that kind of thing starts to happen, and that's where I want to live. I want to live on that really clear vibration. I want to live in awareness and openness and being able to maneuver and respond and not reject and react. And to me, I think that's one of the ways that, that I get to those places, is that I give those synchronicities the importance that they deserve. Right. And, you know, one of the things I think, Jerry, is I think that, you know, everybody has this. Some people just don't pay attention to it. I know my mother, who is very fundamental and would not even begin to even listen to this radio program because it would make her uncomfortable, but she used to call it women's intuition. I don't know if you've ever heard of that statement. Gut feeling? Sure. I, I remember I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, and I had gone through a divorce, and I was back living with my parents and working on my master's degree. And I was out one night, and the weather got really bad, and I got hit in the car with by a drunk driver. Mm. But my daddy told me, before my mother even said anything, he said about a minute and a half before you called, your mother looked at me and said, I think Denise has had a wreck. But my mother didn't really even want to talk about it after I called. And when I got home and my daddy said, you really need to talk to your mother because she's all upset because she knew you had a wreck before you ever even called us. And I said, isn't that interesting? But that whole experience made her so uncomfortable, she would never, ever even talk to me about it. You know, Uh I I believe that we're all connected to this greater flow of energy that's going on all the time, but sometimes it makes people uncomfortable because they don't know how to make sense of it all, if that makes makes any sense to either one of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I read years ago... I read years ago, I was teaching a class on death and dying, and this this woman had written a book, and it was so fascinating, and she said in the book that, you know, like you'll be washing dishes, and all of a sudden you'll think of a loved one who has transitioned, mm-hmm. and and we we just think, oh, I just thought, of, you know, Aunt Bunny, and then right. it said, but what's really happening because of the connectedness of our souls, that on the other side, wherever that is for them, they thought of us, and it's like this 
this ethereal universal switchboard. And so when you're minding your own business throughout the day and you think of your grandmother who passed or your best friend you had in high school who died, it's in that moment they are also thinking of you. And and that's when I think that's that's energy and that's why we say when we do memorial services, you know, people still they just go, that's what ministers say but that life is eternal, that love is eternal, and that there is no death. And that's why I go, if we would become more comfortable with the idea that death is not a punishment, death is not an ending, it's a transmutation, it's a a, a regeneration back to the form from which we came, so to speak, but that energy never ceases to be. And that's why I want to get him as the years go by, which I'm never going to say older, but as the years go by, I want to get so aware of that energy that in my day, if I'm thinking all of a sudden I think of one of you, that I know it's not by chance that I thought of you, that there's there's something either the spirit is saying, hey, check on them, or because sometimes I can see something and I will I will smile to myself. The other day I was driving down the highway, Jerry, and I saw some out, little country store out in the middle of nowhere when and there was one of those big signs for a blue slushy puppy drink. And I remembered there when we were in like Valley Head and I we went in that little store and I bought a big blue slushy puppy dog thing. And I smiled to myself because it was, and I thought, oh, you know. So that's what I'm saying. I think the energy that we feel is from heart to heart, mind to mind, and that we're always connected, even if we don't see people for years. You agree? Right. Oh, I, I totally agree. And I think that the energy can come in so many different forms. And it's about, for me, it's about the connection. So those memories and bringing that back to something just creates so much more of that connection. I I had someone very close who was going through a very difficult time and was staying with me. And I had gone to get food to cook for dinner. And I got this very clear voice in my head that said, Oh, get a, Italian sausages to grill and that if you know. And I'm like, but I, I don't like those. That's not what I want. Um, I won't eat that. And I got very clearly by these. I thought this is so weird, but okay. I'm really because I've really been working on listening. I ask all the time for signs. I ask for information. I ask for a greater awareness. Well, then what are you going to do when we give you something, Jerry? Deal with it. So you know. So I'm like, okay. So I buy the sausages and I cook them and I don't eat them because I don't eat them. Not because I didn't want these. I don't eat that kind of thing at all. And so the other two people that were there did eat them and they wound up with food poisoning and very sick during the night. And I felt horrible. I'm thinking, I don't understand this. What kind of message is this? I'm really trying to follow and blah, 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 blah. So two days later, I'm still apologizing to this person who's having a very rough time and life is very difficult right now. And on top of everything else, I have tried to murder them with bad sausages. And so I just I feel <laughs> horrible. And, and that person finally sat me down and said, shut up. There's something about that night that you don't know. What you don't know is I had decided perhaps I wanted to check out. And so I had taken all my medications. I had taken my anti-anxiety. I had taken my 
heart medication. I had taken all I had of everything I had. And if I hadn't eaten the sausages and if it hadn't made me sick, I wouldn't be sitting here for you to apologize to me for. So shut up. Isn't that awesome? That's what I mean about when we, we – sometimes we just have to trust that the universe always has our back. And, and that, folks who are listening, and that's what we, we meant on today's show about energy and feeling it and becoming more aware. So if you are listening, we're getting ready to close out the show. But we, we want you to understand that our whole conversation today was for all of you, as much as it was for the three of us. But it's about us tapping into that source that is within us. And again, not, not some you know, First Baptist or First Hindu, but it's about the God essence in all living things spiritually take the time to sit in prayer take the time to sit in meditation and be open and receptive to energy and high vibrational frequency it will change your world so jerry before we go tell them real quick about your website so they can look that up and find out more about you and of course we'll be having you back on the show in the very near future oh thanks i love being here with y'all if you will check out efficientbrain.com And there's actually a quiz on the website. We talked about processing styles and how we process. You can take a very short little 15-question quiz, and it will tell you exactly how you process information. And if you have questions or comments, email me from the website. I'd love to hear from you. All right, so we're going to close the show today, folks, with, again, you know, I'm a huge fan of uh, Denise's partner, Dr. Judy Blackwelder, and this is one of my favorite songs. She's written so many, but this one always, I mean, I'm already getting the chills because I know I'm about to play it for you, but it is called Blinded by the Spirit. Um, it, it features in the vocals, Denise, it's Beth, Reverend Beth Beloit, and it, are you singing on it as well? Yes, I'm in the choir in the background, so yes, most definitely. Yeah, so everybody just, you know, don't just disconnect. Listen to the the vibration and the energy of this song as we close. And we want to remind you to always be good to yourself, be good to others, and keep spreading the light. I'm Jamie Sanders. And I'm Denise Shergan. And we are... Dr. Jerry Levine. Yes, yes. (laughs) And we had an awesome time being with you today. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Listen to this music. Love you guys.